You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. What's better than low money down? No money down. Now through Rent to Retirement, you can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down. Wait, hold on. This can't be right. We need to double check with Zach, Rental Retirement CEO. Oh, hey, Rob. Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down? <laughs> it's not that complicated, Rob. Rent to Retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return. Oh, wait, wait. Let me get on this before we tell it to the whole Bigger Pockets audience. Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. That's REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today. Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to rentoretirement.com today. Deciding how to invest your capital can be extremely challenging, especially when the market is constantly changing. That's why it's never been more important to partner with a company that has a great track record. The BAM Capital executive team has successfully navigated through the Great Recession, COVID-19, and the current interest rate environment while delivering maximized returns to their partners. BAM Capital is a trusted multifamily syndicator with over $1.3 billion in transactions, delivering a historical average of over 35% IRR with an average hold period of three and a half years. And BAM Capital has consistently paid preferred return distributions for over 50 consecutive months, has not lost limited partners' capital, and has not called capital past the subscription amount. BAM Capital's disciplined investment strategy is targeting undermanaged institutional quality trophy assets throughout the U.S. heartland for accredited investors investors who are looking for generational wealth building or monthly income opportunities. Their offerings target cash flow stability, capital preservation, long-term appreciation, and accelerated tax benefits. Join BAM Capital's over 1,200 investors across 44 states and get started today at BAMCapital.com. Again, that's BAMCapital.com. This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, show 194. I'm going to make $50,000 and I'll have five to seven hours invested. So what's the return on my time there rather than making $100,000 and spend the time? You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com. Your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everybody? This is Josh Dorkin, host to the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co-host, Mr. 
Brandon. Wait a second. No. Who are you? No, I'm not Brandon. No, you're obviously not Brandon. Who the hell are you? My name is Dave Meyer, and I am, I believe, the first guest host. Guest co-host. Host. Best co-host. No, don't, don't use best. <laughs> best. Best. Best guest co-host. Ah. All right, there we go. You are <laughs> the first guest co-host of the Bigger Pockets podcast. This is pretty awesome. Why, why are you here, man? Uh, well, Brandon is off surfing and just living the high life in San Diego nice. right now. And so I got called in as a replacement and nice. hoping I can hold my own here. You guys, we had to go to the minors to mm-hmm. find a co-host. So this I is apologize. like Little League, though. You had to go lower <laughs> than the minors. <laughs> nice. Yeah, awesome. No, Dave is awesome. Dave was previously on show 186. I had a great show. People loved him. Dave works for us at Bigger Pockets. And Brandon is off in San Diego at the FinCon conference. Uh, we've actually recorded, I think, two shows from FinCon in the past. But Brandon's there. I am not. So, yeah, we've got Dave filling in for him. So, please do us a favor and be nice. Be gentle. He's got a, you know, a softy. That's all right. I can take it. Can you? Good. Yeah. All right. Well, let's dig in. We've got a really cool show today. We've got a return guest on top of our new guest co-host. It's going to be awesome. You guys are going to be pumped. Lots of really cool information. Before we get into that, uh, let's take care of some business like today's quick quick tip. Okay, we we got to harmonize. All right, ready? Ready. Quick tip. Nice. Beautiful. That was awesome. All right, do it. Let's see it. All right. So my quick tip is to look at zoning maps. So you'll hear Justin talk a little bit about this today, but I think one of the greatest ways to add value to your real estate investing is to know which lots and which properties are being underutilized. So if you're looking for a rental, you can find places where you can add an accessory dwelling or put on a renovation. Likewise, if you're flipping a house, you'll know which places you can scrap and put up two or three units instead of one. It's a really easy way to understand which parts of town are gonna get you the highest return for your money. Um, So I would highly recommend going on either your city, county, or state government's website, downloading a couple zoning maps, and taking a look at the different types of zoning in your neighborhood. It will definitely pay off for you. I love it, great tip, wow. Highly intelligent. Great. I know. I mean, there you go. We gotta, you gotta get I memorized that one. So once we get into the show, but that's it's awesome. It's, it's all downhill from there. <laughs> nice. All right, cool. So good quick tip. If you've got questions on that, on, on that strategy, jump on the forums, right? Biggerpockets.com slash forums and folks will help you out. What do you think? Awesome. I love it. Cool. Guys, if you are a listener of the show and you have not yet taken the time to leave us a rating review, please do that. That really, really does help us. Jump on iTunes, on Stitcher, on SoundCloud, anywhere else where you're listening, and take a second and do let us know what you think. Those ratings and reviews really do help spread the word. They help people find us and learn about bigger pockets, and obviously, in so doing, help themselves become more successful in real estate. So uh, please do that. Um, today's show, guys, let's let, let's talk about it. We, we've got Justin Silverio. He's back. <laughs> Justin was last on in show 58, so it's been about two yeah, and a half seriously, years. seriously, it's quite a spread. It's been a while, it's been a while. People really loved his show. He had a great story, talked about, you know, all his flipping. He was an accountant, you know, kind of mundane, you know, everyday <laughs> guy. Uh, uh, that's terrible. <laughs> like, Justin's going to kick when he hears that I called him mundane. He is far from mundane. That is awesome. He's a, he's a good dude. But yeah, I mean, he was, he was kind of the everyman. And the coolest thing is 
Today we find out about what happened to Justin. Yes. He's Huge milestone in his real estate. Yeah, what was career. that milestone? He quit his job. Nice. You know, after years of being in the game and hustling, he Dude, finally, was he a drug dealer? Um, I don't know. I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to say that in front of all his people. I'm going to blow up his spot. But. Jeez, man. <laughs> but no, he was working at it really hard for a lot of years. And finally, you know, he said uh, it was just taking up too much of his time. And he picked real estate over the full-time job. And, you know, big kudos to him. And I'll tell you all about how he got there. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And we, we talked a lot in the show about marketing. He's got some interesting techniques there. His defined niche in the flipping space is really fascinating. He's got a very specific purpose. He's, he's going into high-end homes and he'll tell you why. And then lastly, he's doing these wholesale deals, which will knock your socks off. I mean, what do you say? A $70,000 wholesale deal? Yeah, it's deal? crazy. And yeah. like he said, he's spending a couple of hours on these deals total. Yeah. I mean, the return on his time is out of this world. It's amazing. But, you know, keep in mind, guys, like we're not saying like, hey, this is easy. Hey, we're a guru. It's easy. <laughs> no, like there's a lot of work required. He put a lot of time in up front for opportunities like that to happen. Anyway, we'll, we'll get to that. So let's bring him in. All right, Justin, welcome to the show, man. It's great to have you back. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, no problem. So it, it's going to be a little different today. As you can tell, like the, the big hairy guy looks a little different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a more attractive hairy guy. Oh, well, thank you. I got to ask, though, did you do something to piss off someone at Bigger Pockets that you have to spend the next hour talking to me instead of Brandon? That's got to be hugely disappointing uh, it's for humiliating. you. It's humiliating. I must have. I must have. But you know what? He's in spirit because I have a picture of him right here. Oh, that's smiley, beautiful. Smiley face. So he, he is with us. So for everybody who is not watching this on YouTube, Justin is holding up a, a bright, shiny picture of Brandon. And I think he just smooched it, which was a little weird. <laughs> whatever you guys do, it's all good. Um, hey, man. But seriously, welcome back. It's, it's great to have you back. So you were last on the show two and a half years ago. You were on show 58. And anybody listening, you could find that at biggerpockets.com slash show 58. Get us caught up like r really quickly. What did we talk about on show 58? Um, I, I'm assuming you recall that was two and a half years ago. You had just gotten started, you know, flipped a few houses, um, fill, fill the audience in a little bit. Yeah, sure. So uh, at that point, I was basically working a full-time job while real estate investing part-time. So my life was pretty difficult and full. I have a family, two kids, so uh, everything together was just really difficult and challenging to work with. Since then, a lot has happened. I finally quit my job. Nice. So uh, that's been probably the most exciting. Yeah, thank you. And wife is happy. Kids are happy. So that's probably the biggest change that's happened that I can actually focus on real estate a hundred percent now. And things have been going great. At that point, I was basically focused on rehabs and probably lower end to mid market rehabs. And now I've transitioned a little bit more to higher end rehabs and new construction. And I'm also diving a lot more into wholesaling. Nice. Okay, cool. So, you know, a lot more diversified is, as I think you tend to see as somebody becomes more experienced, pick up skill sets that, that you could kind of using in different forays. You said more high-end rehabs, new construction, and you said you were also doing a, a lot more wholesaling, right? Yeah, that's right. That's cool. right. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So let's go back really quickly to the point where, uh, you know, give us, give us kind of like the two-minute first deal overview for those people who didn't listen to the previous show. <laughs> what was your first deal? What got you into real estate? I remember we had talked a lot about that fear. You know, you were really scared to kind of jump in uh, the paralysis analysis. Can you just 
really quickly go through that and then we'll kind of get everyone caught up. And that fear was real. I'm an accountant by trade. So, I mean, crunching the numbers, looking at the deal, that kind of scared me. But my father is a contractor. So he was like, I know you're interested in doing this. You've watched me kind of create houses and I see you have an interest in it. Let's, you know, flip a house. At that time, HGTV was booming with those shows. So I was like, all right, let's try it. So he had kind of the contractor experience. I had the number crunching. I knew the numbers and, and put together the budget and all that. So we, uh, we found a property. It was, a, it was a small ranch and the place needed to be gutted. I mean, we had to add an addition. If, it, if this was my first project by myself, I mean, I'd be scared shitless. <laughs> it needed Ooh. a ton of work. Wow. <laughs> it, Look at you. <laughs> Ouch. It, <laughs> you got the you get the beep from our editor. Yeah, I get, I get the sensor. I the thought sensor. I was going right. to be the first one. For sure. That's what all I've been thinking <laughs> not, about. Is I broke the water curse. for you. <laughs> nicely done, nicely done, Justin. But yeah, I mean, we we pushed through that. Budget went over. Timeline went over. We came out making about twelve grand. But hey, it was a learning experience for me, and I made some money. So that was kind of the start of it. Nice, awesome, awesome. All right, so let's let's move forward. Right, we talked about that again. You guys can listen to that show fifty eight. Uh, the Bigger Pockets podcast. What led to that transition to the higher end rehab? Let, let's just start with that part. You know, why go to high end rehabs versus what you were doing previously? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of reasons. One, I just enjoyed higher end rehabs and new construction because there's it requires more detail and more more skill and kind of a more preparation for it. I enjoy that stuff. I'm a detailed person. Also, the spreads are bigger, so when you get into the higher price points the ability to create a larger profit is just much greater on that side. So with those two combined, and also the towns that I, I like to invest in, they were kind of the, the higher end towns. And what what I feel at the time, and I currently do, is if the market does have a shift, I've seen that the lower end to middle range market, it's usually dip before the higher end homes. Right. So if I'm still doing the same renovations, just in a different market, higher end, I can actually see kind of if the market does dip, when it's going to dip, and then kind of proactively take advantage of that or, or do what I need to to exit those properties. That's an awesome idea. I never really thought about that. It's great. Definitely. So you're a former accountant, obviously a numbers guy. What are the key metrics that you look at when you're evaluating a deal and figuring out which properties you should be looking at to flip? By the way, really quickly, congratulations, Dave. Yeah. First, oh, first, oh, first question. Wow. All right. Yes. Thanks, guys. Yes. Work. It just rolls yes. off the tongue. Did it, did it, it was, look okay? It was good. It, was, right. it, was, it looked good. It was okay. far more intelligent than the questions we would get from, from my, my other co-host. But, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be back with him you know, on, on the next show I shortly. love this. He's not even around to defend himself. He, he doesn't need to do shamelessly that. make fun of Brandon. We'll just bash him all, all, all day long. All right. Let's get back to you, Justin. <laughs> Yeah, so the key metrics that I look at is I want to see what it takes for a renovation or a new construction. I want to see how much work it's going to take, especially on a renovation. And then I want to make sure that renovation budget, so if it's a, just a clean clean up on the house, you know, thirty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000, I'm not going to require as much profit on the back end. But if it requires a full gut, I'm going to want to make sure that that return is much greater. A lot of the stuff that I'm doing is I get my financing through bank financing and all of that. So I look at how much money I actually have to employ myself and what the return is going to be. And I want to make sure that it aligns with how much work I actually need to do. So there's certain profit cutoffs and percentages depending on where I am with that. And are you still finding good deals in the Boston market right now? I am. I am. So 
I'm pretty heavy on direct mail. That's I've started doing that as soon as I started real estate investing, and I actually got that from Bigger Pockets. Thank you. <laughs> so part of my research was how can I find deals? And back in 2012, 2011, deals were easy to find, but I wanted to create a stream of leads that can continue on no matter what market we're in. So I started way back then, and um, I feel like I've gotten pretty good at it. And that's generally where I get most of my deals, about 90%. I've also been getting some deals off some real estate agents that actually have properties that the seller, for one reason or another, doesn't want to list them on the market. So they give me a call and we put together a deal. Nice, nice. I, I want to jump back to the high-end rehabs a little bit. Sure. Where's that differential? You know, Are we talking a half-million-dollar house? Are we talking bigger? And then what are the profit spreads you're looking for uh, sure. specifically on those deals? Okay, so lower end to mid market, lower end I would say your resale price is maybe around two to three hundred thousand. That's mid market is Yeah, that's low end. Yeah, that would be high <laughs> We're end in, in, in We're like, in Boston here. Uh, I, I recognize <laughs> that. I'm just trying to <laughs> let the listeners know, like as there's a lot of people out there in small markets and two three hundred would be, you know, a mid to high end for them. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. mid market's even probably three to five hundred. Nice. My high-end stuff for renovations is probably between 700 to a million. Okay, got it. New construction high-end is, I just finished up one, it was around 1.3 million. Okay. Oh, wow. Have you had to find new contractors and people to work with That's as you've question. gone from lower-end flips to higher-end flips? Great, great question. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, Wait, you as... can't use the guy who shows up stoned and, you know, like yeah. in the beater no, truck? No, it's actually a little bit easier to find the contractors because you know you have to you you're not basically scraping the bottom of the barrel to get you know the lower end rehabs so you can't pay as much higher end rehabs you have more spreads you have more ability to pay contractors so you actually get some uh, better contractors that you're you're fielding out to make sure that they're good they actually have licenses they show up when they say they're going to show what? up Wait, so it's actually licenses? surprising Whoa, what is, I mean <laughs> very confused by this never heard of this. <laughs> Well, driver's license as well as oh, contract. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. But yeah, it, so it has been a bit easier to deal with contractors on the higher end side, which I love because that was always one of the most painful areas for me oh, yeah. on the lower end side is to dealing with the with those contractors. So where are you finding them? Where you, where do you go out and seek out the high-end guys? Is it is it Home Depot at 6 a.m. or is it something else? So mostly it's uh, a lot of it's referrals. So once I started building kind of a, a group of guys that contractors that were, were pretty good, they had other recommendations of who can help out for different areas. So it's actually much easier to kind of get referrals and trust the people that are actually giving the referrals are going to uh, kind of come through in the end. So what you're saying is if we all move to higher-end properties, we're going to get bigger spreads, <laughs> contractors we could count on, and the process is going to be easier. What, what, what's the downside? <laughs> well, the downside is you have more risk, right? So, nice. so the downside is you get, you get more risk. If the market flops and you don't see it coming, you get a million dollars on the property instead of you know 200000 So yeah. you have much higher risk. Yeah, for sure. So, but still, each piece of those is still a little bit of a challenge throughout. But you just kind of work through it, and you just it. Um, I, I enjoy it much more. Yeah. So, what kind of volume are you doing right now? Uh, how many deals are you doing at a time per year? Yeah. So, what I'm doing is I've transitioned a little bit more into uh, wholesaling this year. So, I I did. Um, I'm doing some rehabs and new construction, but I've probably 
been doing the majority wholesaling because I'm kind of working on a marketing project. So that's been taking up a lot of my time. So I probably wholesaled maybe eight properties so far this year. And I have a couple under contracts that should be closing in the next month or two. But that's the thing is with this market, because there's so much investor competition that I've been wholesaling because, well, one, my time's taking up somewhere else, but actually the spreads are better. So what what I mean by that is, that. so when I get properties under contract, I, I'm very much in, invested in the investment investor community. So I know a lot of other investors around the area. So if I come up with a property that maybe it's a low end property. And so now I have, now I have contractors that are dealing with the higher end stuff. Sure. I'd have to find a completely new crew to deal with the lower end home. And it's probably going to still cost me more money to do it. So it might cost me $100,000 in a, a reno. When an investor that I know really well, that's kind of his bread and butter, the first time home buyer area, and he can get it done for 75000 Now, if I just put a, a property under contract, that spread between my 100000 it would cost me and their seventy-five. you can see there's a $25,000 differential. Yeah. Basically, that, that's my wholesale fee. So my wholesale deals have been ranging from $20,000 to $70,000 this year. Wow. Um, wow. 70000 wholesale? Yeah, 70000 wholesale. So and I've consistently done a couple this year, fifty thousand, sixty thousand, seventy thousand. Wow. So so it's like I look at it as I feel that I, I am a rehabber, a new construction guy, because I really love what I build and I enjoy the process. Yeah. But looking at it from a business standpoint, it's I, I almost look at it as all right, I'm gonna make fifty thousand dollars and I'll have five to seven hours invested. So what's the return on my time there rather than making a hundred thousand dollars and spend the time? I will take your job. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> that's a, I mean that's awesome. I, I I don't know that I've heard from a lot of people who've had spreads on average that are as large as, as you're getting. So that's that's amazing. And that's all from direct mail. And I know you're you're that's, you're yeah. working into that business. You've kind of established your own entity your own business to to dig in there and you you've got customers and you'll plug it at the end of the show but that's awesome so wh- what what exactly are you doing like what kind of techniques are you using to find those opportunities because again i mean those are amazing spreads yeah so there's a couple of factors that play into this and i i tell people all the time is it it always starts with the list making sure you have a good list to send mailers out to and most people even in uh, BP, they're asking because they hear from other people, oh, absentee owners, equity owners, they're like good lists you can pull from list source. I highly advocate that you pull lists that are the most difficult to find. So driving for dollars, tax liens, lists like that where not too many people are getting because it, it requires some research and it driving for dollars takes a lot of time. I probably spent, I have a guy that was driving for dollars for me and he was doing, he spent about six months driving. I have over 5,000 people on my driving for dollars list right now. Wow. So that's probably one of my largest lists. Yeah, it took about six months and probably two full weeks of me scrubbing the list out. Wow. So not only do I go in and, and find these really difficult lists that not too many people are going after, but I also scrub them. And I, I scrub them a lot as far as if they're near train tracks, near highways, on main roads. So I just don't blast it out to everyone yeah. because I don't want to waste the marketing dollars if someone calls me back. And I personally won't take a property on if it's near a highway because I just know that there is kind of health issues that could happen on with kids. Yeah. So just ethics wise, I don't I wouldn't take those projects on. So I don't want someone to call me and say, hey, yeah, I back up right to the highway. You want to buy it? 
And for me to spend all that marketing dollars just for me to say, no, I'm not interested. That's smart. Yeah, creating that criteria, um, that framework is, is awesome. Yeah, so for yeah. some newer investors or people like me who haven't really gotten into the active marketing, can you just explain a bit about what driving for dollars is and walk us through the process that you go through? Yeah, sure. So basically, I outline a map of each city and I print it out. So it might be five different pages of different areas of the city. From there, I'll take one page and then I'll literally just drive every single street on that page. And as I go through, I'll write down the addresses and um, I'll You're highlight. You're creepy the- guy who's going up and down my neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. I had someone do it for me. So yeah, I wasn't nice. a creepy guy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so yeah, that's basically how it is. You write down the, the street number, go back to when we get back to the office, put everything into an Excel spreadsheet, and then I can basically, I have access to the MLS. So I can basically download all the properties in the specific town, and then I can compare my list of driving for dollars compared to that list, and it'll funnel all the information in. So then I can further scrub based on square footage, number of bedrooms, location, all that stuff. Nice. And so what are you looking for? Vacant lots, stuff that's run down? What are your criteria when you're driving around? Yeah, so there's a bunch of different criteria depending on the town. Like the higher-end towns, I look for um, basically scrapers, houses that I can take down and uh, build new. Mm. So in higher-end homes, my criteria is a little bit larger. For instance, like the the moderate towns, I usually look for houses that are 1,100 square feet, three bedrooms, one bath. All that stuff I find through the criteria when I bring the list in. But just driving through the neighborhood, you look for you know grass that hasn't been cut, windows that look terrible, disrepaired, siding, the roof. Maybe when it's snowing out, you see that nothing's been shoveled, mail in the mailbox. I mean, there's, there's tons of factors. But just going back to um, the higher-end homes, I also look for really small houses like shacks. And then I'll identify the, the, how big the lot size is when I go back to do my research. Because if there's a conforming lot, then those houses that are really small, I can basically pay the market value for their house and still make it a good deal for me to build something new. Yeah. Because this house is so small and not too many people want to buy it. Can you work us through those numbers a little bit? I don't know if you have an example of a deal that you've done, but that, you know, that, that's always a question I think a lot of investors have is, hey, is there a way like, how do I go in a competitive market and find a property that I'm, I'm probably going to have to pay close to market? Can I actually make money on this with, by, by potentially scraping it and putting something new up? Yeah. I, I'd love to hear, you know, an example if, if you've got one. Absolutely. Yes. One of the properties that I bought or just sold this year, it was housed in a higher end town and went by, walked through the house or, tried to walk through the house. They were really bad hoarders. So literally, there was a direct path to the, path to the kitchen nice. and right back out the front door. <laughs> That's awesome. So you, could, you literally couldn't walk around there. What was the coolest thing you found in that house, by the way? Was there like a dead body or was there anything weird? <laughs> no. I'd, you know, there was a boat on the property. There was, some, there was a piano in like a barn. There was just, you name it, it was there. But I don't know if I would want to take it home because I'd be afraid what was attached to it. <laughs> I was in a house recently that I think had, without exaggeration, 500 dolls. Like every wall was just lined with shell. I know. I looked at my agent. I was like, we have to get out of here immediately. I don't care what the number's on. This place is haunted. I'm getting out of here. Creepy dolls, creepy cat lady. Yeah. You know, like that's the first thing you see. I don't even imagine if you started digging what you would find in that house. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. 
All right, so we yeah, got it was crazy. House. Yeah, so we got the we got the hoarder house. It was an old house. It was historic. Okay. So that was another factor that played into it. So there was a house in a really large barn on the property, but it was a great lot. That property, no one would be buying unless they're an investor. And so I purchased that property for three hundred thousand, and I had to go through the historic society and stuff like that to make sure that we can take it down. But after they looked inside the house, they said, "All right, take it down." Was, uh, it, there was, was it the dolls? There. Oh no, that was his house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the numbers on that bought that for three hundred thousand. I built a fifty-five hundred square foot house, so I probably sunk about six hundred fifty thousand into it. That about one hundred and fifty dollars a square foot, give or take. Some of the square footage was in the basement, so it was a little bit cheaper. 5,500 square foot house for about 650000 and I sold that for 1.27. Wow. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. So well done. How, all right, so you paid 300000 you identified the house. Um, yeah. How would somebody find that house? I mean, what was it about the house? Like, so I'm having a hard time here. Oh my God. I need my Brandon. I need my Brandon. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Dave, you just, just disappoint. I'm throwing off your mojo. <laughs> oh my God. It's so weird. I don't know. Right, Dave, step it up, man. Oh, step God. it up. <laughs> All right. No. So, okay. So you paid 300,000. You spent about 650. So you got 950 in, sold it for 1.27. What, what was it about that house that, that got you? Like, how did you know this would be a good opportunity to tear it down versus, you know, scrape the insides and, and just kind of rebuild from the, you know, keep the walls and save the property. You know, why, yeah. why tear it down? What exactly stood out and what, what, what was it that made you want to do that? The property, that, that house was in a great neighborhood. Okay. And the style of the house, just the condition that it was in, it was just unsafe to be in. So I would have had to have done a significant amount of structural work to it. And at that point, it's almost like building a new house. So the footprint of that house was maybe 2,000 square foot. So the it just wasn't the best value for that that lot. Yeah. So I decided to take that take it down. And the really cool part of this was it was actually on the corner of kind of a main road, not not really not traveled as much of like a main street, but more of a kind of cut through back road. Yeah. So it was on the corner of that sort of main road and a side street. So what I did is I actually changed the address to the side street. And when I rebuilt the house, I had the driveway come through the side street. Ah, so that brilliant. definitely helped out on the resale value. Oh, slick. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, you've done, done 194 shows. That's the first smart. time I've heard that. Yeah, I that like was that. very Ooh. clever. Right. <laughs> and that was, score. that was honestly the easiest process. I sent them an email and the next day they said, all right, property address has been changed. Nice. I, I couldn't believe it. It was That's amazing. And who, who did you send that to? I believe it was the tax, the treasurer. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Cool. So you got this property. It's on a great lot in a great neighborhood. The footprint yep. just didn't necessarily make sense. It was suboptimal, right? I mean, you you didn't. If if you can expand that footprint, you could put in a bigger house and and thus sell for more money. So yeah. that's what you did. That's great. So any tips for people potentially finding those types of properties? Because I I think that's a it's a great opportunity. Call me. No. <laughs> I'm in Alaska, Justin. I am not calling you, dude. How do I find one in my neighborhood? Yeah, so the big thing that's set this off is just the condition. I mean, driving by the house, everybody I talked to in the neighborhood was like, thank God you you bought this because you drive by it and you could tell it's dilapidated. Yeah. I mean, there's only two houses at the time that were actually had the big red X in front of the house, meaning that if there's a fire, a fire department does not go in. Oh, wow. So there was only two in this town, and that was one of them. 
Nice. So well that done. was a really easy way to figure out that it needs help. Cool. So do you have any zoning restrictions that you have to work with? I know in Denver, like there's certain lot sizes that you have to meet to, to rebuild a house. Uh, so do you spend absolutely. a lot of time looking through that sort of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. And going back to what I was talking about, about scrubbing that list. So I'll go down to the nitty gritty and I'll look at those smaller homes that are in conforming lots. So I'll find out, all right, this property, it's 800 square feet. It's zoned SRA. SRA requires 15,000 square feet to build, 100 feet of frontage. So I'll get the minimum requirements and make sure it, it meets those minimum requirements using a GIS map, mapping that we have in uh, Massachusetts. So I'll do that research up front. And if it meets those qualifications, I'll start marketing to them. And then if they call me back, then I'll do more investigative work and go down to the building department and talk to them. That's great. Yeah, it seems yeah. like that time spent up front. You know, doing your homework gives you a, a smaller, tighter list with better opportunities. I mean, I, I'm guessing that's the, the lesson here, right? Yeah, yeah. Cool. I, I, people either think they should scrub it up, scrub everything up front, or on the back end when they people call. Um, my preference is to spend less on marketing, scrub it up front, and exi- get it the properties you you really want. Yeah, and then go from there. Nice. Yeah. So I, I'm curious about these lists. You said having a good list is hugely important. One of my big questions about driving for dollars and mail marketing is like, how do you track a good list and see that's effective? Like, I I've been to the post office once or twice. Like I I but I don't understand like how you could send mail and it could make you money. <laughs> so can you just tell us like how you know that you are spending worthwhile dollars on the list that you're either buying or cultivating yourself? Yeah, uh, good question. So congratulations, by the way, on going to the post office. Yeah. Anyway, I was at a thing this That's morning. Exciting. I know, no, no I know. BS. There was, it was very odd. I was at a business leader forum this morning, and they were talking about how millennials like don't even know how to use stamps. So <laughs> I was saying the other day, like I would, I would pay a service to just get all my mail for me. Like I don't ever want mail, yeah. so I guess to scrub me off any list you have because <laughs> I'm not reading your mail. Get it, scan it, email it to me. Yeah, exactly. And we're good. I'll yeah. read it then. I love it. That's right. hilarious. Yeah. So so now I I um, track everything. I have a CRM system that I track basically what lead source uh, they're calling from, how many times I've mailed to them, what letter they're calling off of, what color the font was, what the content was of the letter. I mean, all of this stuff I'm tracking to You're make sure. You're an accountant, sure. right? Yeah. <laughs> a little anal buddy. I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of anal on that stuff because for what you said, I want to know where my money is best spent. And where it is best spent, I want to employ more money and put more money into that stream. Cool. So for anyone listening, what, what advice would you give them in, in terms of – I mean, you're tracking really, really granularly there. But like for, for somebody who's yeah. potentially just starting out, I'm assuming they don't necessarily need to go that hardcore. Where, where's that line? Oh. Like where, what would you recommend to somebody who's, you know, early stages in their investing career who wants to do mail marketing in terms of just kind of tracking? You can probably do about 90% of it just through Excel. Yeah. So really easy with Excel. You can create a, your master lead list and how I have it created is it's really easy for me to track the lead source as well as, okay, Brent, uh, I think Brandon and Josh. <laughs> did, you, did you actually hear my stomach? <laughs> you hear wow. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> um, Slightly so, embarrassing. Yeah. 
So with the uh, the Excel spreadsheet, I mean, I can track what lead source it's coming off of, how many times I've mailed to them, that sort of stuff. So you can easily do that through Excel. Nice, nice. All right, I, I want to shift a little bit, and we're we're starting to get through to the end of this thing here. But I want to talk about cooperation versus competition. You you had mentioned, you know, you're really building this wholesale side of your business. By the way, we could talk for hours. I mean, your business, there's so many different things going on. It's it's awesome, and you know, this is. Show two, so maybe we'll have you back for a third. Who knows? <laughs> but cooperation versus competition. And when I when I started Bigger Pockets, one of the big things that I noticed in the industry was like there was it was all competition. Like everybody's you know cutthroat. Nobody wants to share anything. And I'm like, that's crazy. Like we have to work together. We have to collaborate. The more we do that, the more value we're all going to get. You're a prime example by by what you know you demonstrate with your wholesale deals. But what would you tell somebody who says, you know, I'm worried. You know, there's all these other investors in my area. I'm afraid, you know, if they know a lot about what I'm doing, you know, they're going to steal business from me. How do you get to these guys? How do you, how do you tell somebody, hey, it is okay to work with other people? And how, how precisely would you recommend they do that? Yeah, that, no, that's a good question. And starting out, I was looking to start going to the networking events. And I was saying, why, why do I want to go to these networking events to meet other investors? Because they're going to be my competition. But after you've been in the business for, for a while, you realize that it's actually cooperate. You, you work together on a lot of different things. Yeah. So either for the great point of, I don't really focus on the lower to mid, middle end homes. Yeah. So I know there's uh, three really good investors in my area that do work in that area. So I'll give them a call and say, hey, are you interested in this deal? I can make a wholesale fee. They can make profit on the back end. Conversely, if they have a property that they get in a higher end town, they give me a call. Yeah. So it's all about cooperation and working together. And it and that is huge. It really is because when other investors talk positively about you, that you're doing the right thing and you're working with them, stuff like that, that's how you kind of build a larger network and you can actually do more deals by getting your name to around the area. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's huge. That's great. Yeah. And not only that, but you know, you're, you're only limited with, with the resources and your own capacity, right? So Justin, I don't know how big your team is actually. Do you have other people on your team on your real estate team? No. So it's just me right now. It's just, it's just me right now on the so, real estate side. Right. Yeah. So take a guy like Justin. I mean, he's, he's got all these wholesales. He's doing development. He's flipping, you know, he can't do 30, 40, 50 houses at a time by himself. Impossible. He doesn't, it's just, you can't do that. So when he comes across opportunities, he's going to need to dispose of them and, and do it in a way where he's going to make money. So, you know, for those of you listening, I mean, you can't stress out about this stuff. You, you got to really get in there and start working with other people and, and like stop worrying about the competition. Maybe you'll get screwed once, uh, you, you know, from some bad dude. But, you know, hope, odds are that's probably not going to happen. And if that right. the second that guy does that, this is a really small community. Mm -hmm. Word's going to get around and nobody's going to want to work with the guy. And nobody's going to talk to that guy. So, yeah, so uh, true. You know, I, I, I wouldn't and, stress it too much. And just to add to your point, so... So other investors, they have everybody has kind of a different philosophy and different business process. Nobody's ever going to be the same. So for guys that are doing um, a ton of deals, like there's some guys in my area that are doing 40, 50, 60 deals a year. Yeah. I never want to get to that point. I'm always I don't want to do quantity. I just want to do, you know, big spreads yeah. and sm smaller number of projects. Yeah. So for them, making 20 grand, 25, 30 thousand dollars is fine for them. I mean, I want to make a minimum of 50, even a step in the door. So if that doesn't meet my criteria, 
then I can wholesale it off to them. They can make their spread. I'll make my spread. So nice. it works. It just all depends on your business process, and everybody's is going to be different. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, let's just switch gears now to what I think is a lot of people's goals in real estate investing, which is quitting your job. So it sounds like you've been crushing it for quite some time. How did you know it was actually time to walk away from your full-time job and go for real estate full-time? I was going to explode. <laughs> uh, Don't make me angry. Well, so that's my follow-up question actually is like how incredible was it to quit your job uh, and did you make like a huge scene like Jerry Maguire <laughs> and actually just take the fishbowl, curse everyone off and run out of your I, office? I could totally see that. Too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I tried but I didn't know. <laughs> so, yeah, I realized it was time because I just didn't have any time for anything other than my day job in real estate. So family kind of took kind of the back burner, which is not good and not one that I wanted to do. But it started to do that. And I just couldn't keep up with everything. And I started to do some, you know, at lunchtime, I'd be doing my real estate stuff. And it was getting spread to then that all my focus was on real estate. So I really didn't think it was fair for myself, my family and the company I was working for to continue to work there if my if everything I'm thinking about is about real estate yeah. and not my day job. So at that point, I just said, you know what, it, I'm just going to go out, do real estate thing. I know I've been doing it for the last four and a half years and it's been working well. So, so I gave my notice and it it was, I mean, it was amazing. Can it I felt tell you great. something? What? You're no longer an accountant. I know. That's awesome. That's <laughs> you're great, you're no longer going to be put in that box. Recovering accountant. Yes, <laughs> yes you, you've just climbed in the social sphere of the world by like 17 steps. <laughs> yeah, I just got much more interesting. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, man, before we move on to the fire round, just wanted to ask, I mean, you, you've, done, you've done a bunch. You, you've you know, you wholesaled, you flipped. You know, you've been in the game for you know, a number of years now. You're a successful real estate investor. Congratulations. Yeah. That's pretty cool. What what's the best deal that you've done so far? Like the, the one thing that, you know, if somebody comes up to you in the street and it's like, Hey, you know, Hey, you know, tell what, what gets you the most excited when you would, you tell them the story. Most excited and best, I would say are two different. Most excited. I'd say the, the new construction that I just built for 1.3, there was just so much involvement and so much detail into that, that I loved the process. It was actually, it was, it was awesome. So that was the most exciting project that I worked on. The, I guess the best deal profitability wise, it was one of my wholesales that I did for seventy thousand and I, I literally put five hours into it. That was probably the best. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. What do you think? Is All it right. time? I think it's time. It's time. Let's do this. <laughs> All thing. right, we're gonna move to the fire round. It's time for the fire round. <laughs> Nice, nice. Before we do, oh, yeah. yeah, that's what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys, the fire round. Fire round is made up of questions from the audience, the Bigger Pockets audience. These are questions posted on the Bigger Pockets forums, and you can ask your own questions there at biggerpockets.com/forums. We've got thousands of posts that go up every day, and the vast, vast, vast majority of them get amazing answers. So if you're not asking your questions, definitely jump on there and ask them. So let's get into this first question in the fire round. Dave, take it away. All right. This is a perfect one for you, Justin. What would be the top focus for someone who is transitioning from a day job to real estate investing full-time? 
the main focus is building that lead funnel. Uh, ramp up your marketing, make connections, network, uh, make sure you have consistent leads because ultimately that's what's going to drive your business. And if you don't have a constant stream of leads coming in and doing deals, you're not going to have a business for very long. Um, you know, when you usually leave, when I left a company, my company, my day job, I had a couple of projects going on, but I was more concerned about what's going to, what's going to happen after those projects once I'm done. Yeah. So definitely work on, work on that lead funnel. Deal flow. Deal flow. Deal flow. Got nice. it. Nice. All right. Next question. What is the key to creating a highly effective direct mail campaign? By the way, this is the fire round. So we're supposed to answer in like a second or two, but like, Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Obviously, okay. they ask here's questions that are you know gonna take lots of time. But yeah, okay. give us. So give us I'll just give you my my components of a of an effective marketing campaign: excellent lead list, creative and creative mailer, so it gets opened, gets noticed, good content, follow up, follow up, follow up on the lead, and consistency throughout. Nice, I love awesome. it. That's great. What should someone's main upgrade be on a high-end flip? Ooh, that's good. That is a good question. I focus a lot on kitchens and bathrooms. So, and if you're going real high-end, you can do some more trim work. So we did coffered ceilings, higher-end appliances, upgrade bathroom, larger showers, things like that. Nice. Cool. All right, last question in the fire round. In a competitive market, what should a newbie investor look for when making their first purchase they should look for good i guess good spreads because it's really easy for a newbie to get into a property that has very thin spreads depending on where they get it yeah. they go on the mls you're not going to find a good a great deal uh in my area so i see a lot of newbies getting getting into a deal and it's just such a small margin and if there's any issue which we all know there is going to be one they lose that profit awesome awesome great 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 excellent right, so we're going to try something new today we've got dave Yes. This is obviously not Brandon. <laughs> Clearly, he's smarter and better looking. <laughs> Thank um, you. But yeah, so we, we tried something today. Before we started the show, we went to our audience. We told them who we were talking to, what their background was, and we hit them up on Facebook Live. Um, by the way, you can get to the Bigger Pockets Facebook page at bigger at facebook.com slash bigger pockets or biggerpockets.com slash Facebook. They both take you there. Anyway, uh, so we asked some questions on Facebook live and we, we got feedback from our users. So we're going to ask those questions right now to you, Justin. So Dave, take it away. All right. Our first question comes from John Widlacky. And the question is, how do you find a good area in your location to invest in? I guess it depends on what you're looking to do, either wholesale or rehab. If you're going to do a rehab, go in the area that you're comfortable rehabbing and you know what the market values are going to be. If you're going to wholesale, talk to other investors that you're actually going to be selling the deals to and find out where there's a large majority of investors that are actually investing. So you're not in an area that nobody wants a deal. That's that a great a, tip. I really like that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. All right, cool. Next question. This question is from Scott Winnie. I don't know if it's Scott and Winnie or Scott Winnie, but uh, either way, great question. I think mindset is a huge part of real estate investing. It's the thing I struggle with the most. How do you stay positive and keep pushing forward? Yeah, that's that's huge. Connect with other real estate investors, going on bigger pockets, talking to other people in the community, going to networking events. That is going to keep you definitely energized. Whenever I went to a networking event, I'd be I'd come home all excited and ready to go, and I didn't even want to sleep. I just wanted to kind of push through and find more deals. So definitely, all of those things will help you. Awesome. All right. Question number three from Danny Thomas. 
the best way to finance a flip without a bunch of capital? Hard money, private money, depending on your credit. You can go to a bank, potentially, but banks 25% down. So hard money, private money, or partner with someone. Right. So Great. Yeah, those are, those are the couple options. obvious ones. There's, yeah, there's, yeah. yeah. If there's a deal, you will find money. That's yes. the big thing. Yes. Yeah. I, I, so many That's people obsessed with like, let me build a list. Let me build some huge list of right. buyers. Like, uh, I, and and some people still push that. But I mean, if, if you go and find an amazing deal, there's going to be a line of buyers. Absolutely. Yeah. So, without a doubt, I absolutely agree. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. All right. Uh, here's the last Facebook Facebook Live question. I don't know how appropriate it is, but I'll ask it. How many doors did you have when you quit your job? So uh, um, you don't. So rentals. Do you one. I have, I have one rental. That's it. Go. Yeah. Got it. Awesome. So you replace, I mean, what you did was you replaced a job with job, right? I mean, you've got another job flipping and wholesaling. That's your, it's, it's more yeah. of an active endeavor and yeah. your company. Yeah. I would say this job is definitely much more around my lifestyle than actually having to go to work every day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been able to take more vacations and spend more time with the family. So yeah. it's been a good job. Yeah, and and More March fun. and April are a little better for you, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. All right, cool. Hopefully, you guys like that segment. We'll we'll try and do it again. If you did, please leave us uh, comments in the show notes at biggerpockets.com/slash/show194. And of course, you can go there and ask Justin any questions that you have, or leave any feedback uh, for the show as well. Uh, before we let you go, man, we're going to jump. I know we did it once uh, before on the last show. We're going to do it again. Catch up, see if anything's changed. We're going to do the Famous Four. Famous Four. I don't know. I sound British oh, oh. when I do that, I think. It was good, good falsetto. <laughs> I, I'm impressed, Dave. You, I was a little worried about you replacing Brandon. I, I was too. And I'm still worried. But uh, <laughs> yeah. There's good still time for me to take week. this whole show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's get to the famous four. Dave, first question. All right, what's your favorite real estate book? I just reread The Millionaire Real Estate Investor, and I really like that. There's a lot of key information that they uh, that they provide. Next question, uh, favorite business book? Um, so there are two two good business books. Uh, one of them is Rich Dad series. It's like what the rich tell their kids that the middle class and lower class don't. Sure, um, reading that because I have kids, and I found that pretty pretty interesting. And the other one was the new one-minute manager. Okay. Um, so hiring some other people in another business. Um, so that's provided a lot of uh, good, great information. Cool. And w- what precisely do the rich tell their kids that other people don't? I can't tell you that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't Read really the book. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't found yeah. out yet. But let, well, Yeah, nice. All right, what do you do for fun? Now, spend time with the family. I mean, there's been so much time that I haven't been able to – so much time I haven't spent with them because I've been doing two jobs that – We've been doing more vacations, just hanging out on the weekends, not having to work. It's been that's been awesome. That's been definitely on the forefront and I love it. What Good for I you, man. Kind of that's awesome. Yeah, great. Thanks. All right. What sets apart successful investors from those who give up, fail, or just never wind up getting started? Yeah, I I love this question. I personally feel that it's the unrealistic expectations that people have getting into it. Um, with the shows now, uh, HGTV shows, gurus, seminars that you can go into, everybody makes it look easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And people that get into this business think it's easy. Yep. And it's not when you start. Yeah. So once they figure out, oh, it's not as easy as I thought, they just quit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So having realistic expectations is key. I love that. I think That's it's great. awesome. Yeah. And, you know, it may end up 
being easier than you thought, but it's not necessarily easy. And if you go in, you know, with some fantasy of, of, Oh, well, if that guy can do it, they look how easy it is on TV. Like, mm-hmm. wait, don't forget. They left yeah. a whole lot of work out on, on mm-hmm. that, you know, of 30 course. minute thing. It's, it's, uh, yeah. yeah and the, the one big thing, yeah. the one big thing is most people say, I want to start a wholesaling because I heard it's the easiest. It's probably, it's one of the, it's really difficult to do because you have to get a deal better than another real estate investor, like a rehabber to make your spread. So you have to get a deal better and still know all the rehab costs and ARV, which most people mess up. So it's, it's really difficult Mm -hmm. when you start, but I mean, after you get through the first couple you're it starts to get easier. Nice. Like anything else. All right, man. Well, before we let you go, where can people find out more about you? I know you've got this marketing company. Let us let us know how we can get in touch and, and find out. Yeah, sure. So obviously the easiest way to get in touch with me is through uh, Bigger Pockets. I'm pretty much there every morning. At least spend a half an hour or so there. So you can check me out at Bigger Pockets. You can also check me out on openlettermarketing.com or shoot me an email at justin at openlettermarketing.com. Awesome. 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 Justin, well, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Thank you. Really, really do appreciate it. Yeah, congratulations, man. Sounds like Yeah, thank you. Really kicking ass. Job well done, Dave. (laughs) Thank you. I think he handled it. I think he handled it. All right, man. Well, we'll see you around. We'll catch you up on the forums and lots of luck on the new ventures and on uh, the new marketing company. And keep going, man. Keep rocking it. We'll see you for round three. Appreciate it. Yeah. Bye. Take care. All right, guys, that was Justin Silverio. Big thanks to Justin for coming on the show. That was pretty good, man. What'd oh, you think? It was awesome, man. It was a lot of fun. I appreciate yeah. the opportunity sure. to uh, come in and ask some of the questions. You know, usually I'm sitting at home listening to the podcast, wondering yeah. some things, and now I got to ask it to the man himself. That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to call you out here. What is your Twitter handle? Oh, it is Dave at BP. So at Dave at BP. So at D-A-V-E-A-T-B-P. Exactly. Got it. All right. So if you guys are listening, please jump on Twitter and let Dave know what you thought. You know, give him give him some applause, make him feel good, you know, blow him up. And let us know what you thought of this whole guest hosting thing. Yeah. Uh, If you have any other ideas or just want to make fun of Josh with me, I I would love to do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's (laughs) yeah, don't do that. Make fun of Dave. Um, well, Brandon, he's not even here to defend himself. Uh, so yeah, at Brandon at BP. Make fun of Brandon on Twitter and be like, Brandon, where the hell were you? <laughs> Dave was so much better. Actually, that's what you should be yes, doing. Blow Brandon do up. Even so, if it's not true, just do it. Yeah, at Brandon ATBP <laughs> is Brandon's Twitter handle. Definitely got to ride him. You definitely got to give him a hard time. All right, guys. Otherwise, Dave, no, that was awesome. awesome. You did a really great job. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Nice job filling in on the big guy. And, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll have you back again and again. Looking forward to it. That's awesome. All right. All right, guys. So really quickly, if you have not yet left us a rating review on all those different channels where you are potentially listening, please do that. If you have not yet created an account on Bigger Pockets, please jump on, go to biggerpockets.com, create a free account today, and you can link up with guys like Justin. You can ask all the questions you want, get access to all of our tools and all the content. Our newsletter, you can't get our newsletter unless you are a free user of Bigger Pockets. That thing goes out three days a week with like unbelievable, That's unbelievable amazing, content. Yeah. There you got absolutely no reason not to join. Yeah, so uh, do it, make it happen. And with that, let me get out of here. I'm Josh Dorkin, signing off. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. 
If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. Kaka! <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. It's getting weird already. I like it. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the Bigger Pockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming Small Multifamily Bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devatha. So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R. Today, and join us in the Small Multifamily Bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.